It is the Soft Trade Talk Show, and what a good day to talk some NBA basketball. It's Wednesday. You know, we're getting closer and closer to the season. It's crazy that I'm saying this because I'm a big basketball fan, so I can say that even though football is closer, baseball is getting closer to the playoffs. So, you know, I, I can still say we're getting closer and closer to NBA basketball. Ain't that right, Matt? Sutton in the building. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I always say. I The only thing that excites me about football season is it means we're closer to basketball season. So <clears throat> I'm ready. I'm ready to see some basketball again. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, you know, one of the big things is that social media gives us, you know, a limited access with people now. I mean, it's been, what, two summers now? I'm actually about three summers now. We didn't see more drills, pickup basketball. Um, weightlifting, don't matter. We just seen so much, you know, off-season basketball footage. I mean, like, it's like we never even been de- detached away from the uh, from the grind of the NBA season when we still see it in the off-season. Yeah, it's how these guys build their brands, man. They build them on social media, and they, they just communicate with their fans. And for some reason, NBA players just do it better than, than uh, uh, guys in other sports. And, you know, I think the – you know, you see some soccer and stuff like that doing pretty good. But NBA players just use social media and teams use social media to their advantage to keep – to make basketball a 12-month league. And, I mean, it just, yeah. you know, never dies because something is always going on. And it's got a calendar, and they just want to say, okay, today we're going to do this. Today we're going to release this. It just keeps it going for 12 months, gives us something to talk about, and keeps basketball fans excited. Right, that is right, and you know, just like you just mentioned that, that's crazy because I want to mention the fact that, like, even drama, like James Harden had an incident in the club. Yeah. Um, could you, could you, did you, could you uh, enlighten us on that just a little bit there? Well, was that where he he started a fight and then he tried to bribe the person to not post it on social media and then, right. and then he paid her he paid her off and she still sent it to TMZ or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's that, that like, you can't. That sounds like Harden. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You can't trust people. You can't trust people, especially no. if you're an athlete, star athlete. No, you know I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know how these. I don't know how these athletes do it. I, I really don't. There, and you know that's one of the things too. When I always talk about LeBron James, that I don't think he gets enough credit for is being the first sort of true superstar to go career start to career end in the age of social media, and has not really had any big issues. I mean, it's got to be so hard for these guys. They're nineteen, twenty. 23, 24 years old, living the dream, and they got to watch their back everywhere they go because they've always got a camera on them. The camera's always on, always on. Always on. Always on. You're right. Because these guys are easy to recognize, right? Somebody walks in 6'10 somewhere, you you can pretty much make it clear. You know, I I think he's one of the best athletes in the world, but Mike Trout could walk into three-fourths of the bars in this country and nobody would know who he was. And it's not the same for basketball. So as soon as these, these guys are recognizable, so they get those cameras put on them right away and there's nothing they can do about it except try their best. Right. right. And it'd be, and it'd be like movie quality type footage. I mean, oh, like man. it's like people got these phones ready to go. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Different angles. One guy got it over here. One guy got it over here. And I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Right. I, 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 don't, I don't know how they live with it. I don't know how they live with it. I don't know either because John Wall and Terry Rozier was in Miami. Now, they were in Miami's, I think, campus uh, gym area, you know, saying they had their little courts. And in the footage that they was able to get, I mean, this was pickup basketball. I mean, I think I saw Robert Covington. I think I saw maybe some other NBA player. I didn't. I saw Covington. I saw Wall. I saw Covington. And I saw Terry Rozier. But the angles and the the footage that they got, I mean, like these people are like, man, I'm getting views, and that's what they're thinking. And like, I get to see these guys play basketball in the off season. I don't got to pay for a ticket, like you know, this is a thrill now. Yeah, I don't. I you know, I think yeah, I was reading somebody the other day or following somebody on Twitter that was talking about sort of that the pickup basketball and the Drew League type mentality that these these NBA players get into. I mean, you see social media video of Joel Embiid just picking up basketball on just the side of the street playing old man. I mean, yeah. it, these guys really embrace that. And whether it's more formal, like something like the Drew League or just going out and, and playing basketball, they're out there all the time doing it. And like you said at the beginning, that's what keeps fans interested. And I love yeah. watching Joel be, you know, try to dunk on these 60-year-old dudes. And it was just yeah. funny to watch. 
Yeah. Right. And Anthony Davis was driving around New Orleans and trying to find just a court in the driveway, and he was getting out the car and dunking. Like, he was throwing off the backboard, dunk, get back in the car and drive off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these guys just have fun with it. But, again, it all goes back to you look at the NBA and the players today, and I truly believe it's the smartest generation of basketball players. These guys are they're, they're businessmen, and they understand how they've got to keep constantly feeding content. And I don't know whether or not they get it or there are got people around them who get it, but, you know, with social media, you know, in, in my business, marketing and advertisement, you know, with our companies and organizations we represent, we're always talking about content. you got to feed content. It's got to be relevant. Well, these guys do the exact same thing, just as individuals. Yeah. Yeah. And it's selling shoes and it's selling shirts and it's selling all this other stuff, and they're, they're making millions. It's smart. It's smart. It's smart. Very smart. I mean, C.J. McCollum got a podcast, and he's playing. He's interviewing basketball players like he's, you know, Michael Rappaport or something, and he's getting headlines for getting Kevin Durant on there. But he he did bad on himself by sitting there on Twitter and acting kind of like a little soft. I mean, like, you can't do stuff like that. It was odd. I mean, Durant's a – I mean, he's a unique personality. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a guy on your podcast, then, you know, respect what he has to say. And if you ask him a question, take it take it up with him on the on the air. Don't don't take it over to Twitter afterwards. Yeah, that was weird. I, I thought that was weird because it kind of made Kevin Durant's you know thing with the with the uh, what was it the scam or the the disguise Twitter account. You know, so that makes that even just disappear. You know, people don't talk about that no more. They go, man, C.J. McCollum had yeah. Kevin Durant on his podcast. And then after the podcast, he sit there and, and basically he could have said exactly what he said in that tweet to Kevin Durant. He yeah. could have said it to him. So it's just unbelievable. Yeah. I, I know players like Carmelo Anthony, who we're about to talk about again, um, he, he, he ain't built like that. Now, that's one thing I can't say about Carmelo Anthony. I know he gets a lot of flack now from the younger generation, which when you look at the track record, people don't understand that he's a great scorer. And he was a six foot eight player that came out of Syracuse, winning a national championship. And he's, you know, like one stat that I heard that he's been the most durable superstar that you can think of other than LeBron James. Um, yeah. If he's going to play, he's going to start, and he's going to finish the game. And, you know, but people don't realize that with the demanding of the trade from Denver to the Knicks and blowing up that roster and then, you know, Jeremy Lin thinking that he was jealous or he was jealous. But he, all those things, all those things, it just makes the, the younger generation be like, man, he trash and stuff like that. Because I don't think what happened in OKC was totally his fault. But just the the reputation he has, and even coming to the Rockets, I mean, people are like he's coming off the bench, or like they don't need him. He's a bad fit. But what if he is? So yeah. with the contract that he signed, I think it was one year, what three million, two point something, two point seven, something like that. Yeah, yeah. He gave back the ball. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Do you think? Do you think he should come off the bench? I mean, we already know he's. We already we knew for a month that he was going to play for the Rockets. But do you think he should come off the bench? Well, I mean, I, I don't know what their starting lineup's going to look like. So, right, without Ariza and without Mabute, I, I don't know who they're going to try to slide into that role. So, it, it, to me right now, I think Melo fits better off the bench. But this team may need him to, they may need him to start. I don't know whether it'll, be, it'll start right away or whether he'll come off the bench. But, you know, I, I think Melo's better coming off the bench. It's a huge role. And I know guys have their egos, but at some point in your career, I mean, you're absolutely right about Melo. He's one of the best pure scorers the NBA has ever seen. I mean, the guy could play yeah. basket with anybody. And he was putting up Durant numbers, you know, before Durant was putting them up. Um, but he never – I don't know whether he couldn't or whether he didn't want to, but the difference between him and the reason why I think he catches so much flack isn't so much the, that he doesn't win. It's that he never tried to learn anything else. Like, you look at guys like Kobe, who was a great scorer. He eventually realized he had to go to the post. Same with Jordan. Mm -hmm. Same thing, right? LeBron figured it out. He, even guys like Dwayne Wade. He, Dwayne Wade figured out he had to sh learn how to shoot three-pointers. I mean, guys – Melo just never did that. He just went with that one skill and just never, never adjusted. But, I mean, for the price the Rockets paid, Melo's worth a chance, but it's not an upgrade, man. I mean, between losing – they're two best – well, two of their three best defenders. Um, I, I don't know. Him and – Melo and Ryan Anderson are essentially the same player. So, 
I mean, probably a little bit better, but I, I think he does better than he did in Oklahoma City because I think he'll want to try a little bit harder because he'll get along with Chris Paul, who's his best friend. So I think he'll work harder and have a better season. I mean, Melo can still put up numbers, but he can't help that team defensively, and that's what they're struggling with. And I, I don't know how he's on the court at the end of the game if, you know, you have James Harden, who's already a minus defender. You know, he's gotten better. Gotten better, but he's still he's not, not an average defender, and you know that's putting a lot of pressure on on uh, Capella, and then um, oh, the guy's name's escaping me. He came from the Raptors. Uh, oh, uh, um, um, you're talking about? Um, are you? Are you? Oh man, I now now I didn't get the brain part. Is it? Is it the gentleman that played in the Africa game with uh, Joel and B? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a great defender, and I can't. I just can't. There's no good escape oh, me. That is crazy. I, um, Siakam. Yeah, yeah. Well, they got the yeah. I mean, no, 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 not Siakam. Um, oh, okay. No, it was uh, he's a guard or a wing. Anyway, oh. they got they got that other defender, and uh, so I mean, I think they'll be okay. But I, I don't know how Melo finishes the game uh, on the floor uh, with those guys unless he's just balling. So it'll be. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that they did with him on the Olympic team, and I know that team was more stacked, but it's just like they didn't use him to post up, or they didn't use him to ISO. Like they use him like, hey, you get a rhythm, we're gonna feed you the ball, catch and shoot, get yeah. a rhythm going, uh, run a transition. But you know, one thing I can point out about Melo, he's a hell of a rebounder for his position. I mean, like he rebounds still, even with the Rockets. I mean, he goes up there and gets them, so he can at least bring that to the table. But yeah, defensively, I agree with you. And you know, coming off the bench, I agree with you there. It just it's just hard for me, my eyes, to, to see him come off the bench. But because he wasn't he wasn't equal dollar. Equal dollar wasn't mellow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he even like his star couldn't get to Mellow's level. Um, but he was a better it seemed like he was a better teammate or or I guess like somebody just to to, to welcome that. Because if you laugh at the fact that you were come off the bench a year yeah. ago, it's you're not even though you might accept it because, like you said, he's with Chris Paul and yeah. get along. Your friends, he knows he's in a situation where he can get as closest to he can to a finals. He he kind of probably figured it wasn't gonna work with OKC, so he may actually not bark, but the play is going to show that he's unhappy. Yeah, it's PJ Tucker, by the way. That's the guy I was thinking of. Oh yeah, PJ. PJ's a gamer. Yeah, he's a gamer. He. I would say what one thing about PJ Tucker last year is what. He didn't let Draymond Green punk him out. No, he can stay on the floor. He's 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 a great defender. He can guard almost anybody. I mean, the Raptors. He you know he and nobody can guard LeBron, but that was kind of his role. But I think the difference between Melo in Houston and Melo in Oklahoma City. You're absolutely right. Melo is one of those guys that when he hits one bucket, he needs to get the ball again. If he hits two, he needs to get the ball again, and he just needs to get fed when he gets hot. Well, that's not going to happen playing with Russell Westbrook. It's just not going to happen. It's not his style of basketball. But if Chris right. Paul, one of the, you know, I'm not the biggest Chris Paul fan, but skill wise, he's one of the best true point guards of this generation. If he senses Melo's going to get hot, he's going to keep feeding him. He's going to keep feeding him, and and they'll, D'Antoni will run plays like that too. Uh, so he's got a better coach, a better system. I mean, I think he'll put up numbers. I just don't think he makes that team better. And I, I, they're, in my opinion, they're, they're further away from beating Golden State than they were. Than, than they were last year. Yeah, because you you lost two you lost two role players that's that's honored their role, and then you pick up a former superstar, I guess you could say, that thinks they're still a superstar. So you're automatically thinking like nobody, you know, you Durant, but Trevor Trevor Reza did it the best of the guys who came. Right. I mean, so mm-hmm. so and people were mad that he couldn't score. Well, I mean, you chase Kevin Durant Kevin Durant around for 36 minutes and see if you can. Right. Play on the offensive side, so I mean, that, in, in the screens, in the screens that Warriors run, I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I think when you look at the end this year, you're looking at one thing, right? How do I beat the Warriors? And you got to have somebody that can guard Kevin Durant, and that team doesn't have anybody that can guard Kevin Durant. And absolutely, absolutely not. Or, I mean, and nobody can shut him down, but at least, at least slow him down um, yeah. because you know Curry's going to get his. You know Clay's going to get his. But we saw this year. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's all about the rain. Yeah. 
Sometimes they don't, and that's why Kevin Durant came to that team. You said right. you, one thing you said about Clay and Steph getting theirs is just sometimes they just they can't hit the bronze side of a barn, and yeah. that's one thing about them that they can't they can't uh, go to something else. And you know, if, if Kevin Durant's having a bad game from the perimeter, well, that length is going to work in the post, or that length is going to work on a runner. Uh, he might get layups, get to the line, make free throws. Then his threes might go in. You know, Steph and, Clay, Steph and Clay can't automatically just get into that rhythm. They have to hit a couple threes and get it going and stuff like that. Now, Steph can get to the rim. I think Steph gets to the rim almost kind of like how Tom Brady can scramble. Like, people scared to hit him. They scared to get him. Like, I'm going to get a technical if I foul Stephen Curry. Like, oh, yeah. it's almost, almost like that. Like, if Kyrie makes deadly dribble moves and gets to the rim, I mean, there's people sitting there banging, bumping him. He's doing English rolls and jelly rolls and stuff like that, hitting the ground hard. Steph don't have to go through that. I mean, yeah. he drives to the lane. People are like, oh, he's in the air. I got to watch him. Yeah, watch That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, that, that's true. I mean, he, he doesn't do it often, but but the guy goes to the line a lot, um, and it doesn't take a huge a huge beating like some of these guys do. Because I think – I mean, one is, is he's he's a superstar. And he's one of the most beloved mm-hmm. players in the game. And he's just mm-hmm. – he's just skinnier, so any contact – Makes it look look hundred times worse than it actually is. Where Kyrie's more built, you know, Russ is really built, so it's a, it's harder for them to get those calls. Yeah. Tayshawn Prince went to the line a lot, and I disagree with a lot of them. I was like, "Come on, man! I mean, I'm a Kentucky guy, but Tayshawn yeah. Prince would give he would flail in the air. I'm like, come, <laughs> look at him. Some guy, I mean, like you know, hard Harden's made it an art, right? Getting to the free throw line. For right. how you get to the free throw line. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's part of the game now. Uh, but Steph definitely, he definitely gets some of that superstar, that Jordan treatment, you know, the, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Uh, well, it's almost like with Hart. It's almost like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Not a lot of guys get it. I mean, you even look at LeBron, like that's part of the reason why he doesn't get a lot of calls is he's so big that you could smack him in the shoulder and it won't even look, I mean, he won't fall down. He just keeps going in the same direction because he's just yeah. strong everybody so he takes a beating but doesn't get all the calls because it doesn't it doesn't appear as if it's bothering him at all right and that's crazy that, that me and you could really be a good tandem because i was going to say the same thing i said we see lebron james drive to the lane and takes contact you go and he get you know and, and it's like the ref didn't blow the whistle because he's like what well, but damn i could call offensive foul and it's like no you really should you know <laughs> i was fouled and it's like, yeah, I didn't flinch or didn't fall, or I'm a big build guy, but I got fouled. It's the rule of basketball. You get fouled, you got to right. blow the whistle. No, no matter how big I am, and that's why I always agreed with Max Kellerman with the Shaq analogy. And Stephen A. always want to disagree with that. It is like Shaq. Like he's six foot eight, he's a German tank, and he moves fast. So when he does that, and he goes in, and people don't call a foul, they're thinking like, well, I'm look kind of looking at the the, the defender's well being. Yeah. But the rule of basketball is if a man's going up for a shot and gets hit, you got to blow the whistle. Well, if LeBron's heading to the basket and he gets in the air and you smack him on his forearm, you know, if you do that to most players, the ball's coming out of their hands. Well, LeBron, right. he's big. It's not even stopping him from, from finishing like he'd want to finish, but it's still a foul. It's still a foul. Yeah. Smack still him and, but he doesn't, he doesn't get those calls. Um, nearly as much, nearly as much as he would. But it's the same. You're absolutely right. I mean, I agree. It's the Shaq thing. Like, Shaq, you could murder him. You can't tell because the other guy was 30 pounds lighter and three inches shorter. <laughs> and yeah. So, you almost felt sorry for the defender. So, you gave him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, Shaq's better off trying to finish the point than going to the free throw line. But still, he should have fouled a lot of guys out that he, that he never did. He never did. And Shaq would end up in foul trouble trying to block shots. <laughs> and you'd be like, why Shaq got four fouls? The other guy got two. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So that needs to make me so mad because I'm a Laker fan. And speaking of which, I mean, me, me and you both Laker fans, I guess we can both point that out. But let's be serious here. But Jaleel Okafor, you know, I, I wanted to talk about this because, you know, a guy who won a national championship, Mm-hmm. The guy was, you know, averaged 16 points his rookie year until he tore his meniscus. I know he had off-the-court things. I mean, who doesn't get into a scuffle? I mean, Blake Griffin broke a guy's jaw for calling him, a, you know, the B-words. I mean, like, you you know, if you if you call, you know, if you call a guy six foot ten, uh, 270-some pounds out of their name, you like, hey, bitch, or you sit there and you want to sit there and think that you're a big guy. 
you know, because because they're on TV and you're at home and you're sitting there saying, because I was at this, I was in this, I was in this situation at a round table watching the game. And, and a person, I mean, he might have been, say, 6'1", 6'2", 180 pounds, maybe 190. I mean, they live up in Asia, maybe say about 205. And he sat there and literally looked at me with a straight face and said, you know what? I can punch LeBron James right in his face. Yeah, yeah. couldn't even reach him. <laughs> couldn't even reach him. <laughs> you know, like, man, like, like, and, you know, the reason why I brought that up is because, like, somebody literally thought that with Jaleel Okafor. And Jaleel Okafor, like, bro, like, I'm 16. I'm almost seven foot, bro. Like, you know, I'm going to hurt you no matter how you try. So besides all that stuff, I mean, you know, people want to act like he was a troubled person his rookie year. You know, Colangelo's an idiot. I thought handled him horribly wrong. I mean, you draft all these front court guys anyway, you know. And, uh, you know, I think it was because he knew Joel Embiid was going to be damaged goods. But, you know, it just it's just one of those things where like I thought going to the Nets, but I thought his his uh psyche, his confidence was shut down. So he didn't do good at the Nets. But now he's going to be going to the Pelicans with Anthony Davis, Julius Randle. They're trying to get something going with Drew Holiday. He's he he's honoring that contract they gave him. Do you see Jaleel Okafor turning it around or you think that he re- actually is a bust? Do you think he's a bust? Did you think he was before he came out in the draft? Well, I wasn't an Okafor guy. Um Simply because uh, he just he he I'm not a big Duke to the NBA guy. First of all, I mean I'll just say that I like I think Mike Schlesser's a great coach, but he's not put you know that many great NBA players in there. But more than anything, his his game just didn't translate. But I felt sorry for the for the guy because you know you get a guy like that who hasn't lost his entire life, right? Never, mm-hmm. never didn't know losing, didn't know anything. You plan them on that right. Sixers team that made it very clear they had no desire to win. They didn't want to right. win. They didn't put they didn't put the veterans around them. They didn't give them any mentorship. They didn't do anything. They just said, here, go out here with the rest of these bums. We're going to lose and do your job. I had to be – that had to be tough for anybody, especially a 19-year-old who's never lost right. life. So, I think – first of all, I think the Pelicans was the perfect fit for him. Uh I think, you know, that that will – there are going to be times where he gets to play alongside with Anthony Davis. you got Alvin Gentry, who's been in the NBA forever, um, you know, great coach. And you get to be around guys like, you know, Randall, who's a really intense, mentally tough guy. Davis the same way. Holiday. I mean, I think, I think it's a great fit for him. I don't know. I mean, for where he was drafted, I think he's going to be a bust, just in a direct term of what a bust is. But I think he'll be going to be a successful NBA player. I mean, the guy could probably average, you know, 15, 16 points a game. But it's hard to be a big guy that can't shoot but doesn't yes. have a great defender either, right? You can, you can, you can be a big guy yeah, who can't shoot and you're a great defender, but you can't, not right. be, you can't not be able to do either one of them in today's NBA. I think that's the problem. But you get to play beside Anthony Davis, he covers up some of that defensive stuff, or he can also yeah, learn from it. So I think he's – I think he still can contribute to the NBA, but you know, for where he was drafted, it, it just it just didn't work out. But I'm not sure that's entirely his fault. I think it's I think it's wrong to call him a bad seed. I just think he was in a bad position. No. Yeah, it was. And then, and and you know, with the whole shot thing, it was funny. Like pre-draft and all that stuff, people was talking about he can, he's got a Patrick Ewing type soft yeah. shot, and I didn't see it. You know, what I'm saying, and, and people would talk about it. I'm like, hold on. A guy who's shooting 40% from the free throw line doesn't have a soft jumper to me. I mean, he just doesn't. I mean, he had a turnaround J that was quick, and he did it against novice college players that that weren't going to get drafted like him. And I'm saying getting into the league, you want to see that type of shot. Plus, you want to see passing out the post. You want to see at least you want to be able to clear the lane for your guards because this is a league in the end of today. You know, like you said, you know what I'm saying, you got to be able to know that you can't be a person that's going to just bog bog down the offense being a big. Yeah. Yeah, you can't – there are no more – you don't have to be a, you know, in baseball terms, a five-tool player in the NBA, but you've got to be able to do multiple things. Now, the days of being a specialist, just being a single specialist, are pretty much over. I mean, you can't just say, man – you know, that's why 
you know, if it was today's NBA, would Ben Wallace have been the same player that Ben Wallace is? He would have had to do do some other stuff. It would have been hard for him to stay on the court. It's almost like Andre Drummond, right? It's He had to learn how to – those first couple of years, you know, people wonder whether he was going to be a bust because you had to learn how to do other things. Uh, but I think he finally can get settled and can get in the right spot. He's got a great coach um, and somebody who could be a mentor for him. He's going to have something that he's never had before, and I think I think we'll see him shine if he can stay healthy. I, I think he'll – I wouldn't – I'm not going to – I would say this. If you gave me the right odds, uh, you put money on him for most improved. If you got the right odds yeah. on him, uh, he's that yeah. type of – have that type of – have that type of year. I agree. Yeah. Like like you said, if he gets 15 points a game, I mean, that's better than Alex Jenka, who they got, that's better than Jack Diallo. Um, that's better than a guy who's been away from the NBA for four years in the Mecca Oakland for. I mean, yeah. that's what they got. His so, head's, yeah. head's on right, which I which I think it is, and he wants to go down there and get better. I think it's a good signing because it's a it's a win win for the Pelicans. I mean, they didn't pay him all that much, so and so if you can get him get him in there, hopefully put him around people who who will show him the right show him the right way to play the NBA and uh, and get him and a system. What? And, and here's another thing, Matt. He's not even 24 years old. I think he's just 23. He's about to turn 23. Yeah. yeah. So he's not. <laughs> you got to give him a little bit of time and and get him in the right spot. But I think you know that was a the that whole 76ers system. You know, it it took them until they brought in guys like JJ Redick and Marco Bellinelli, and you know, it was for them to forget. You got to have some veterans on your team. You have to have guys who've been there and done that. They don't have to have won championships, but they have to have been there. They have to understand how to be in the NBA and help some of these young kids uh, along. Because, you know, when you're as dominant as a guy like Jalil Okafor, you're not used to losing. You're not you're not right. used to being laughed at when you go out. Right. Stuff like that. You used right. to be in practice. Right? <laughs> you know, that's why. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's why somebody get punched in the jaw right. one time. <laughs> you know, and that, you absolutely you hit the nail on the head. And now, now that you brought up some excellent point, I can shift to the next point. Next topic is with the Lakers. I mean, like you said, you want to get these young players around veteran guys, guys that can even role players, even that are veterans, so you can show these young guys the way, preparation, um, 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 being on the court, playing within the role. If you are a star, what you need to do, what type of expectation, you know. So with the Lakers, I'm at least saying with when when people, and I'm not gonna say no names because you know with people that want to say that the, the the bad signings that the Lakers got or shouldn't have got LeBron. I mean, I'm actually hearing those, but even with Rondo or um, talking about uh, Stevenson and all, you know, talking about those signings, and you got to think those are veteran guys that's been in the playoffs and won championships. Rondo, LeBron, you know, Lance Stevenson was in the Eastern Conference Finals going toe-to-toe against LeBron. So, like, you would want these guys to be around Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, because the point I'm getting to is that Kuzma is like, hey, y'all underestimating the Lakers right now, and we're preparing to do something real good. Now, is it right for him to come out and say, now, he ain't guaranteed no championship. He's not sitting there saying that, oh, we're going to go all the way. You know, he's just saying, don't underestimate us. Now, do you think he should be quiet, or do you think that's Something that's great to say. I think it's great to say. I, at first, I was like, eh. But then I start to think about it. I'm like, yeah, don't underestimate us. Make that, at least that message. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean, I'll address a couple things there. But the Kuzma thing, I, these guys wear me out on a little bit. Uh, the Kuzma heart and ball. And, I mean, I, I'm fine with confidence. I really am. But I think what they're going to learn is, is that, it's going to be a different world with LeBron James being their teammate, and they're not going to yeah. be able to run off at their mouth because, you know, if you would have if you would have gone out and run your mouth off and you played with Kobe, and then you didn't show up the next day, and then he would be in your ass. And LeBron's going to be the same way. You're not going to be able to sit there and talk on social media and do all this joking around and then not show up on the basketball court. I don't mean. I mean, I think they've got three of the best young players in basketball and, and or yeah, heart too, man. I mean, but Ingram, Kuzma, Ingram, Kuzma and ball, uh, I think are great. I, I, I want to see these guys. I want their off season to be over. 
and for them to go out and start playing basketball now. And, you know, LeBron's out there at camp, you know, or training, you know, camp in the gym. So get out there with him, learn what you can, and, and start playing basketball now. But, man, I, I can't – look, the Lakers, some of the signings, yeah. Or I think the best signing that they made – you know, I saw LeBron James, obviously, but I think one of the best signings of the summer was Rondo. I mean, when, when, when people – when, when Lonzo Ball was being compared to NBA players, he was being compared to Rajon Rondo. So why not go out and get Rajon Rondo to teach that guy? Rondo and LeBron, I'd have to sit here and think about it, but they have to be two, two of the top five smartest players in the NBA in terms of understanding the game, knowing how the, knowing the ins and outs of it, being able to watch film, being able to break down offenses, being able to play defense. You can't find a smarter player than Rajon Rondo. So really why not bring him in to train your future? If ball is your future, bring him in. And yeah, I mean, can they play on the court at the same time? We'll see. Ball shots got to get better. We'll we'll see all that. But if this goal is to build the Lakers for to get better this season, to be able to compete next season, and then to be ready to take over once the the Warriors sort of dynasty is is over with, then Rondo's the perfect guy to bring in. I love it. He's going to be great on the court. He'll have a ball playing beside LeBron James, and he's going to train your future. So I I, I like what they did. I really like bringing in Michael Beasley. Um, I think that's some good scoring punch, and a guy that you've got a lot of options. I think the young guys are going to get to run. I think they'll get to close games. I think they'll get to play with LeBron. But at the same time, if they're struggling, instead of letting them sort of learn on the job and go out there and struggle and struggle, if you've got a chance to win a game, you throw Michael Beasley in there and he'll go and get your buckets. And so I, I, I like what he they did. What's that? I said he might start playing defense, man. You know, J.R. Smith wasn't a defender until LeBron got under his wing. Yeah, and I you think LeBron, like, as frustrating like, as they got him. LeBron likes playing with guys like J.R. Smith. He likes playing with those dogs that are going to go out there, and that's what Lance is. Lance is that. I mean, I think it's a different world when these guys get to sit beside LeBron and play. Um, and I think I think the Lakers have the right young core. I think the fact that Hart and Kuzma are older. You know, they're not 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds. They're 22, 23. Um, and then you've got some mature – you know, really young players in ball and Ingram. I don't know. I mean, I keep going back and forth. Like, I look at the West and I say, you know, well, it's LeBron James. He has to make the playoffs. But who's coming out? I mean, who's going to come out of the, uh, you know, of the of the playoffs so that the Lakers can come in? Because you've got other teams that are looking in. The Nuggets are going to be looking to make the playoffs. The, uh, the Memphis is probably going to look to get back into it. So, I mean, you got the Pelicans. You got the Pelicans, and is now the Portland. Portland, you know, the way Portland played last year in the regular season, they can do it again. So, I mean, like, like you said, it's going to be hard to pick a team that's going to be on the outs because from seed five, from yeah. seed five to eight in the last two weeks of the regular season was so deadlocked tight. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, like, uh, seed. I think the six seed was who uh, was the Rockets. I want to say. I mean, not uh, the, I said the Rockets. Excuse me. The, the, the Thunder. It was the Thunder. It was the six seed, wasn't it? Uh, no, I think the Pelicans got the six because then they beat they beat Portland. It was the three. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, they got the six. If Portland would if, say if if Pelicans would have lost two games, like say lost three games in a row, in that t- they could have fell out of the playoffs. Like they could have, oh, yeah. like you know, like it was that deadlock. So I mean, you are right. I mean, that's hard to think about to say like yeah. You know, we can sit there and say, well, the Lakers going to win 50 games, but it's like they're going to be playing the West team four times. And, you know, can they beat Portland, you know, once Portland is really hungry and trying to, like, prove a point now after all that podcast talking, is Dame going to get traded, which that's going to play big. Trades are going to play a big thing, too. Who's going to get moved? You know, I, it seems like a lot of West to East type movement that might happen. So uh, those yeah, are the I things that you can think about. You know, I think you get, and that's the other thing with the Lakers too. They're built for a big trade as well. Um, if they see it, they got all these one-year contracts. But yeah, you look at the West, and the only thing you could say is, okay, the Kings aren't making the playoffs. You know that much. Phoenix is Phoenix. Back, but they're not, back, but they're not making the playoffs. And Dallas, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to sniff the playoffs. But you know, Utah's only going to be better. 
Utah is only yes. going to The Pelicans, I think adding Randall and Okafor, they're going to be better. Um, you know, so at OKC is probably better. So I, hard. yeah, it's gonna be hard. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I still, I still default to they got LeBron James, so they're probably gonna make the playoffs. Uh, but if for some reason something happens and LeBron misses 15, 18 games, they might not. They're they're not. not. And, that's a, and that's a big, and that's a big, that's a big thing we don't want to happen. Right. Um, for really no injury. I mean, because think if we lose, I mean, we could lose Ingram and that can hurt us. You know what I'm saying? We could lose Pete. You know what I'm saying? It, it right now the way it is, we got to play. A, I'm saying we because we're Lakers fans, but like the Lakers are really going to have to play a type of season like like uh, like LeBron said. It might be some bad bumps, might be some bad days and stuff like that. But just hopefully, there's no injuries and there's no falling out. As long yeah. as y'all just still stand together, y'all can lose. You know, y'all can blow a lead and lose. As long as y'all stick together, because it's going to turn out. I always believe in, especially in basketball, anything can happen. The Rockets won a championship; and they was a six seed. You know, granted yeah. they went and got Clyde Drexler in the middle of the season, but they still wasn't cohesive. But they got it together. Right. You know, the Warriors beat the number one seed Mavericks. They were yeah. more cohesive. They were more cohesive than the Mavericks. So well, if they can just get it together by midseason and see what we got, I mean, hey. Yeah, I, mean, I think it. I, I think they'll be good. I, the 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 few things that worry me is one is they still don't have a center. There's no center on that team. I guess LeBron can play center, and the way the West works, that probably is not going to be a big deal. But I don't want him banging bodies in the in the post on defense. That doesn't make any sense. So that 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 gives me some concern. Uh, you know, Ball's development will be interesting to see. Is he? Did he get that shot better? Is he healthy? He only played half the game last year. And then finally, I don't know where I stand on Luke Walton as an in-game coach. I think Luke Walton is a great player coach. I think he's a great player developer, development coach, in-game he coach. Can go chill. He can definitely go chill with his team. Like, he can chill with his players. Like, he can say, oh, Luke's coming. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, yeah, Luke's coming. And I think he gets most the most out of his guys. And I, I think – you know, the Lakers over the last couple of years where he's been in there have gone through really bad spells, and he's never seemed to lose his players, which I think says a lot. Uh, so I think Luke's going to be a great NBA coach. Is he ready to coach in-game with LeBron, with Rondo? I mean, that, that's going to be interesting to see as to how that dynamic works because if there's one knock on Luke, it's his, his ability to manage in-game. In and he had to go ask and he had to go seek advice through how to coach LeBron. I mean, like, if you got to go do that, he's he's not he's not uh, Javale McGee. I mean, that'd be different if you were like, hey, Steve, how do you coach Javale? I just need to talk to you about but coaching Javale. I understand the rat going there, but you really, really went to Tyrone Lou to ask that man, how do I coach LeBron? How is he? And st- you got the best player in the world, buddy. <laughs> But I think that actually – I like that from Luke because it shows me that he wants to figure out how to make this work. And, you know, where Ty Lue was a player as well, you know, so I think they've got that kind of connection of how do you – I mean, because that's the thing. You know, I, I try to think about that sometimes too. That how do you manage playing, you know, coaching a guy who is the best player to maybe ever put the shoes on and certainly the best player in the world right now? Like, how do you say no to him? How do you – you know, have that kind of faith. So I think that's kind of the stuff Luke's got to figure out when, you know, LeBron gets really frustrated with his teammates. I think that's more than what they talked about. Like, how do you yeah, how do you keep him calm? Because there are going to be points in time where he's going to want to murder everybody on that team because they're not figuring out how long he wants to do. Somebody's got to calm him down. Somebody's got to calm him down and keep his head on straight. Um, and I think especially LeBron's – has never really played with young guys. And so, you know, how's he, you know, how's he going to be, how's he going to handle And I don't mean it's me, but how's he going to handle this kind of quote unquote millennial group of guys who might not be as tough as he wants them to be. And mentally on the court, you know, when you sit there and you, you know, you start and you look at somebody like, with somebody like Brandon Ingram, who looks like he makes it, but I mean, looks like he's going to be a great player. But what happens if, if LeBron has to has to take him to the side of the bench and start yelling at him, all that kind of stuff. So I think Luke's going to have his hands full trying to manage all of that and then coach in game. Uh, so, but 
you got a lot of smart bats, a lot of high IQ basketball players on that team. A lot of high IQ basketball players. I think that's what I with that team was high IQ guys, and he got them. So I, I think that would help Luke. Uh, but uh, I, I think Luke makes it through the season. It'll be interesting to see how long he stays yeah, he season. Yeah, I, I think Jenny Bush really put her foot down on the whole like thing, saying, like, look, that's crazy that she had to come out and say, like, Luke is our guy. He's going to run the great offense and all that stuff like that. Like, she came out a couple of days ago. And she, like she said, Luke is our guy. And now I don't want to hear all this stuff. So, I mean, he's going to finish the season without a doubt. I agree with that. I just think that me and you finally had our first disagreement as far as saying, like, man, he's the best player in the world. Why have to go? You know, I, it'd be simple to sit there and say, Magic, you know, you can go talk to Magic. Magic was one of the best players in the world. He was the best distributor type smart guy, just like LeBron. I kind of look at LeBron's game and look at Magic's game and see some similarities a lot. And then, like, to go and, I, you know, I'm not saying it was heinous. I'm not saying it was something to get fired or something to be like, man, he's ill-equipped. I'm just saying best player in the world. He's moving to your team. Why have to conversate with somebody who really on the outside looking in didn't know how to coach LeBron James? I mean, if you kind of get what I'm saying. I think it would be different if it would have been somebody who was a who was a older coach. But but Lou and Walton are essentially the same kind of guy, right? They uh they they're young, they played in the NBA. I mean, heck, they played the same time that LeBron played. I mean, so I think, and also with all the rumors and all the stuff you see in the media that LeBron won't listen and he wants to call the plays in the huddle and he changes all the plays, all that kind of stuff. Luke probably wanted just to ask him, hey, is this is this, is this real? Does this really happen? And for So, I mean, I, I don't think – I mean, if he was sitting there saying, man, I'm nervous to do this, this guy intimidates me, all that kind of stuff, then, yeah, that's a problem. But if it was just a check-in of, hey, man, is any of this stuff I hear on Twitter real? And, you know, how do you deal with with him? How do you deal with – you know, I think Luke's been around long enough. He played with Kobe. He saw all that kind of stuff. He's been around the Lakers. Like, I don't think the the presence that surrounds LeBron James will get to him. But I wouldn't be surprised if he was a little intimidated by him. Uh, You know, it's hard, I think, as a former player if you're coaching somebody who is – Clearly knows more about the game and is better at the game than you are. And <laughs> that's got to be, that's got to be, it'll be interesting to see how Luke handles that. Okay. Well, see, next, that's it. That's it. That's, we're going to like try to converge this. We got, we got about 15 more minutes to go here. Dude. So we're going to try to converge this right here into one little thing that we're going to have to laugh about. And first off, is Kawhi Leonard's letter. Um, sure. Connected with Bruce Bowen. Um, also, <laughs> With the Clippers, we bring in the Clippers too. I mean, or you just say what their chances are and the Lakers' chances are and all that stuff like that, looking ahead. But let's get to Kawhi Leonard's letter. And that, that letter with the club emblem in the back of the, the – I, I thought that was <laughs> – but the thank yous, you know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't talk. You didn't – You did like, you didn't show up to a playoff game, bro. So, like, a thank you is something that you probably should have did, but who's who's honoring that thank you? Who's saying you're welcome in San Antonio? Who at the Riverwalk is probably – everybody's at the Riverwalk taking that letter and throwing it in that river. Yeah. I mean – Yeah. yeah. I, I heard somebody or somebody on Twitter, I think, did it where they replaced the thank yous with FUs. <laughs> it read pretty much the exact same way. It read pretty much the exact same way. So, it's this great debate uh, – is he just a terrible communicator? Does the does the guy just know not know how to communicate with and socialize? Which, if that's the case, that's fine. That's not a big deal. But is he just bad at it, or was it was it a semi troll job? Of like like I said, like Shea Serrano said, like it, it felt like he was trying to talk like he thought human beings talked, and so it was almost like it was <laughs> it was just weird. It was just weird. It was a terrible situation for him. But he created it, and you know, he might not feel that way, but but publicly, he created it. Like, yeah, yeah. Voice, man, you know, there's things. That, there's commercials. There's there's events. There's charity events. There's people who say. There's, I mean, like even down to voting, people or somebody just having a, uh, the, you know, everybody wants to use that 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 we got this voice or saying like you have the voice. People, I mean, there's TV shows called The Voice for crying out loud. You gotta be vocal. 
playing a professional sport. I mean, especially like say for football players who wear a helmet all game, who can't create a brand, they gotta talk. So I mean, like you're an NBA player, you get to show you cornrows. They know you live with your mom. I mean, all this stuff. They, I mean, the stuff they know about you without you even talking. So right. here you're gonna play three years in the league, and here now you are MVP of the finals. Right. You won a ring. So you should have came out your shell at that point. And the fact that he still didn't, and then he tried to show a little bit of love with commercials and being goofy, but those was like hints of saying, I want to be in L.A. And then that's when he shut all the way down. And I just think, like, with him, like, bro, like I said, the motto is, you got a voice. You got to use it. You could have did damage control without your uncle talking. You could have did the work of sitting there saying, like, look, I'm trying my best to get back at least something. If you was going to bullshit it, you know what I'm saying, at least, but not saying nothing and letting Popovich have interview after interview after interview saying, hey, you know, because people will listen to Pop, because Pop will talk. I mean, he right. can talk about Trump or anything. Right. And just like when Ginobili and Parker chimed in and even and sports analysts was like, that was Pop. I mean, so Pop has that big of an influence to where Ginobili and Parker made their comments about Leonard. And then you had these aficionados and, and analysts in there saying, oh, that was Pop that gave the blessing for that. So, I mean, Pop uses his voice all the time. So you a player, a, a star, a superstar player, and don't want to vocalize, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, Kawhi. And just, that's I, what makes me almost I want to be on the Lakers. I don't think he's – I don't think he's comfortable in it, but I don't think he wants to admit that. Like, there are some guys – Marshawn Lynch, right? He – he was shy. He did not want to socialize. He didn't want to talk to the media. He wasn't being a jerk. He just didn't – he wasn't comfortable with it. So he embraced it, right? He embraced that side of himself. Kawhi never did that part. Like, it just was – it was almost like he wanted to play basketball, immediately go home, and then come back and play basketball again. And that's just not how professional sports work, especially if you're a superstar. Um you're going to be required to do a certain amount of things, get yourself out of your comfort zone. And I just, he did himself a huge disservice. He cost himself a lot of money when you think about his deals and stuff like that. And I don't think Kawhi was ever going to sell, be a big shoe seller. But, you know, I think he, he really hurt himself with this. And it makes you wonder, like, to your point, is he a problem? Like, is, is he going to be a problem in your locker room? I mean, you think about somebody like Rondo, right? Rondo, very quiet, very shy, did not talk a lot early in his career when he was with the big early on. But he embraced that because that was him, him being like a savant, you know, a, a you know a quiet genius, that type of thing. Oh, that's just, Rondo. Yeah, quiet just never – Never developed a personality, and that's what that's why him wanting to leave San Antonio was so crazy because San Antonio is one of the few places where you can thrive with that personality. I mean, Tim Duncan was the same way, Tim Duncan was the same way, and he thrived with Pop because Pop did all the talking for him. But now Kawhi's gonna have to do it, and I don't know, man. I don't, I mean, I'm not saying the Lakers won't go after him, but they will. You you better believe that, that it's in the back of their mind and in the back of guys like LeBron's mind of, do we want to deal with this guy? Do we want to deal with him in personality? Um, all, all we're going to find out is if he goes back to being a top five NBA talent, then the answer will be yes, no matter what. Um, but the real thing becomes, is he injury prone? Is he healthy? And is he a problem? And those if, things he finger, if, if he stubs his finger, does he need a third opinion? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's coming right. down to that. If he sprains his ankle, we're going to be like, damn, we lost Kawhi for two months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not, not, not to the same extent, but it's almost like Isaiah Thomas, right? You could be injury prone and be a great teammate and still make a bunch of money. You can't be injury prone and be seen as a cancer in the locker room and still make a bunch of money. So, you know, that's what that Thomas, it wasn't. Injury was bad, but it was just how he behaved. And, and, right. and how he's and, bitter. Yeah, he's bitter. He's bitter about it. But and that showed, and that dude, unfortunately, lost a lot of money. Lost a lot of money. The injury was bad, and he shouldn't have come back as soon as he did. Um, and that's why I think one of the reasons why I think Kawhi didn't come back is he learned from Isaac, from Isaiah. But I, I don't know. But going back to it, the letter, I mean, 
good. Now he can move on. I mean, I, I, you know, I've seen a bunch of Spurs fans who, who say nobody better boo that guy when he comes back to town. He won him a championship. They didn't think they were going to win. He let Timmy Duncan go out on top. You know what I mean? Like he don't, don't be those people, but he's going to have to prepare that image a little bit. And the best way for him to do that is to go back to being, you know, the best three and D player in basketball. Yeah, going out there and just playing. Because even with Kobe, you know, it's not the same thing. But Kobe went through that scandal and everything like that. But he went out there being the mama. He he was the mama for like three straight years. And it was like, oh, Kobe. Because Kobe was hate. I mean, Kobe go out there. Kobe sucks. You know, that stuff. And it was just like, it was bad. And he saw that and was like, I got to change that immediately. And I think when he when he did that, it, it, he went out there and just showed on the court all action, no talking, 40 points game, 40 points, uh, he averaged 40 a whole week. And then the next year, then, and they're like, oh, Kobe. And then he wins the championship. And it's like, oh, we love Kobe again. Then he's on Nike commercials. Then he was jumping over cars. It takes Yeah, that. I mean, it was, it was it, it's crazy to think about. And, and we could spend a whole pod talking about Kobe's career. But it's crazy to think about. He, he, he truly, that change. From number eight to number twenty-four was two different careers for that guy. I mean, number eight was flamboyant. He was outgoing. He was the youngster. He was, you know, arrogant. He was the hot dog. But he was just better than everybody else. And twenty-four was the one who became the dog. He was the one who became the genius and the and the basketball, you know, Mozart and those type of things. And it was just—it's just amazing to think about. It's—I mean. That's why when people ask me which number should they retire, I always said both. I said, you know, from a Laker perspective, it's both because it was like it was two different dudes. It was yeah. like it was two different guys. Yeah, it was yeah. Kobe. So maybe Kobe, Brian, don't try it. Then 24 was Mamba. Like, yeah, it was just two two different people. And, you know, I, 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 I joke around with people a lot. Now, Joe is not funny, but, like, I'll never understand. It's like it's like Kobe's, you know, Colorado never happened. Yeah, like it's like it never happened, and, and he won't. Nobody talks about it. Nobody. It's barely mentioned. Um, but Larry Nance Jr. You know, had to apologize to him. Like it was a big thing at the draft, saying like, "Whoa, we found this tweet, and he needs to go apologize to Kobe." And you know, if it would have been, you know, if it would have been like, if like you said, people would have been still hating Kobe and stuff like that. Would have been like, "That's right." He should hate Kobe, and I don't know if he, you know. It just it would have been totally different. And you're right; he he changed his image by just going out on the court and just being a pure dog. And you know, some things that came up about that woman too helped him. You know, what I'm saying a tad. Um, some things that came out about her, but you know, what I'm saying like I said, well, I think- we can do a whole pod about that. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, talking about Kobe allows us to switch gears to. Best that was the Bruce Bowen situation because I mean, you know, Bowen could lock Kobe down. One of the few people I think Kobe still says it was the toughest guy he ever faced as a yeah. defender, but mm-hmm. that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous on the Clippers' part. I mean, that's but that's the modern NBA, right? That's that's the dealing with these young players and their egos and stuff like that. Bruce Bowen says something critical about Kawhi Leonard, and the Clippers are like, oh, we have a chance to get Kawhi Leonard. That's fire, Bruce Bowen. I mean, come on, that's just the dumbest thing. If Kawhi Leonard is that sensitive, then you don't need him. You don't he, need him. If that is that sensitive, then the Clippers can have him. Um, yeah, I mean, Lakers better not fire Stu Lance for, you know, for criticizing Kawhi Leonard. Uh, it's not going to work. And you know how the Clippers can come off as like, you know, well, we didn't do nothing. Anus was like, we just didn't renew his contract. We didn't fire him. You know, we just didn't renew his contract. Well, it's not like he was going to bash Kawhi Leonard this season. Like, Kawhi Leonard's right, exactly. That's over with. He's yeah. going to play. So, Bruce Bond was not going to compromise your chances of getting Kawhi Leonard at all. Because, y'all, I mean, to me, it seems like the Clippers made that move to feel like we're already losing this battle. Anyway. He's an announcer. He's an announcer. Like, how should that play in, in Kawhi Leonard's decision? Um, yeah, it doesn't. It does, that didn't make any sense at all. But that just continues to show plus, the Clippers plus, just. Plus, plus, if, if Bruce Bone was asked a question, if Bruce Bone was asked opinion, if he was asked to say these things too, especially, 
they're definitely in the double wrong. If he was said, Bruce, what is your take on this? Or what do you think about Kawhi Leonard or whatever like that? If he now, if he even came out and said he still ain't in the wrong, but still, if he was definitely asked his opinion, his take, you cannot do that to that man. But he's going to get another job immediately. Well, the thing about this, I mean, Bruce Bowen, Spur, he knows Greg Popovich as much as anybody else. So of course, people are going to ask him about it. What happened? He was around that team. He still understands the players. Still has connections with the city. I mean, look, Leonard, like David Robinson came out and said, "Yeah, I tried to reach out to the guy, but he wouldn't call me back." That's David Robinson. Like you think of the Spurs, you think of three people: Tim Duncan, David Robinson, and Greg. And apparently, Leonard didn't find necessary to talk to any of them. So. I think they're happy to be with up. It's a crappy situation how it went down, but he's going to have to prove it on the court whether he can play or not uh, to see what like gets up with the Lakers or the Cubs, right? I mean, he might not have the Lakers as an option next year. Maybe they don't think Leonard a piece away. Maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe something happens with the Warriors and Durant wants to leave. Right. Well, we'll take Durant over uh, over Kawhi because I tell you what, Durant had playing our fast eyes and still try to play. Clay wants out of it, right? So, okay, Clay Thompson, maybe that's a better fit. So, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you saw with Paul George, maybe he loves it in Toronto, uh, but that was the ultimate. That was the ultimate. I love the NBA because the NBA petty is better than any other level of petty. And, <laughs> Greg Popovich was like, okay, you want to go to Los Angeles? Fine. Now you're going to Toronto. And you go to OKC and have to deal with uh, uh, Russell Westbrook. And like you said, he ended up liking it. And, and and it happens It happens all the time. I mean, you know, little, little things. Just imagine the interrogation room that the, the San Antonio Spurs had Tim Duncan in when he was thinking about going to Orlando. They probably would have oh, yeah. that room with a light in his eye going, now look here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong. Toronto's an amazing city. It's a great place, but it's a great place. Like, like they might have had, like, who knows? Spurs could have had a special doctor. Hey, man. Yeah. I, said, I said the Spurs could have had a special doctor to take some of the screws out of Grant Hill's ankle that's offseason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be basketball. Get back on the court. Yeah. And, and so that's what I said when I'm ready with those Lakers guys, man. Just get on the court yeah, and start playing basketball. We, knew, we, get new better. Uniforms. we got new uniforms, too. Uh, I'm talking about, man. See, we got two more minutes left. We got two more minutes. We're going to yeah. close it out on this funny note. Um, JBA championship. Um, big baller brand. Big baller brand, baby. Yeah. And with that being said, 76 shots between Jello and Melo. 50, I think it was 53, I think it was 53 shots that Jello took. And he took 17 three-pointers. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't even know what to say about those guys, man. I mean, best of luck to them, but there's no NBA in, those, in their future. Uh, yeah, zero. Now, I thought you were going to roll with, did you see the, the footage of the, uh, Glenn Big, Big Baby Davis. Oh, my God. Where's his contract at? Where's his contract at? I don't know. The dude looked like he was about twice the size as he was when he was last in the NBA, and he looked like he was balling twice as good as he as he was when he last left the NBA. Uh, <laughs> he took the big three. He took the big three very serious and got in good shape, and then it crossed over to the – he went over to the Drew League and was like, yeah, I'm going to win this championship. And that, he, Like you said, I mean, like he was big. He's a bigger guy. But he just looked yeah. like he was Jerry Sullinger in that uh, ESPN league that they do for yeah. dollars. Man, <laughs> like, I'm bigger man, than all these guys. <laughs> him, and Nate, him and Nate Robinson, man. I hated those guys, man. I hated those guys. But, hey, I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing about Nate Robinson. Um, his stint at Chicago, I think, really showed that he he really was a gamer and he really was a good team player. He just didn't take much <laughs> Yeah, that's why I hate him so much. No, you didn't. Like, Nate Robinson is one of those guys where I bet if you asked most of the top guys in the NBA and said, hey, you got to pick a team, he's one of those guys that they would pick, right? He's like, I'm going to go to battle with that dude. Yeah. I'm going to go to battle with that dude. That is and, right. uh, 
That was one of the yeah. funny things about Nate Robinson we here recently was that they said he was the one, the most unrecognizable person on Uncle Drew's movie. They said the makeup on him was flawless, but we got 30 seconds. But they said, they yeah. said you couldn't even tell if it was Nate Robinson or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was a great uh, segment for NBA. Like I said, we pumped up. People out there, we sound like we pumped up, right? I mean, Jesus exactly. Christ. But Matt, Always a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Like I said, we will be back with some more NBA talk. This is Soft Straight Talk. Have a good one.